This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Beck UL Daily, presented by Ben MGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And you are the announcer guy. It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely crushed it last week. Well done there. It is fascinating, though, when we recap last week, a lot of favorites won against the spread straight up. And especially with the state of the NFL right now, a lot of backup quarterbacks playing and a lot of them just aren't very good. And so I'm curious when it comes to handicapping uh, this week and beyond, is it just going to be as simple as, okay, the market isn't adjusting fast enough to backup quarterback play, or is this something that we're going to see some really wacky spreads going forward? It's actually great research done by Robbie Greer. I think his Twitter is at NFL, but go look him up. And it's actually kind of looking at how we as better sometimes overreact to a downgraded quarterback to the backup. And that in reality, your adjustment, and, and, you know, there's obviously outlier cases like a Tommy DeVito in New York or Clayton Toon in Arizona last week, for example. But for the most part, if a team has a competent backup, let's go to Carolina, for example, like, Frankly, you could probably make an argument Andy Dalton is probably worth is worth spread points compared to the current version of Bryce Young. So it's a great question and obviously something that is extremely relevant right now across the NFL with like a dozen teams currently working through question marks at quarterback. But depending on the situation, you actually might be able to take advantage of, you know, maybe a, a spread going across a key number because of a move there. Um, and maybe that isn't exactly how you should view it. Yeah, this is a challenging part. F- figuring out which ones have no chance of moving the football because where the favorites are coming in, like we saw this weekend in, in numerous spots. I mean, yeah, there's going to be ones that come through and ones that don't uh, when you have nine backups in the league, and that's what's happening. Well, what about the top of the league? I, I think when you look at, let's say, the top five, most people would agree that right now you're taking a top couple from the AFC, Baltimore, Kansas City. You're taking the top couple in the NFC, Philadelphia. I would still put San Francisco. And then you're trying to figure out if you're making that that top five list, okay, who's fifth? So, like, we did this exercise earlier in the show, and we all had different teams at five. One of us had Cincinnati. One of us had Buffalo. One of us had Miami. And then, oh, there's Detroit, too, and you forget about them because they didn't play. If you agree with that premise of KC, San Francisco, Baltimore, Philly in there. Uh, which team would you put fifth? 
I do agree with the premise, and, and I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I think they are all the way back. They look like the 2022 version of Cincinnati um, on both sides of the ball, not just the offense with Joe Burrow, now clearly 100% healthy, our highest-graded quarterback over the last three weeks now, um, been great on scrambles, been great throwing downfield. T. Higgins is healthy, which is obviously massive, and he was productive in that game against Buffalo. Um, and then on defense, though, too. I, I think we always kind of forget about Luana Rumo, maybe the best defensive coordinator in terms of changing what he does on a week-to-week basis and putting opposing quarterbacks in conflict and also the growth of all these young recent draft picks they've had you know on that defensive side of the ball Daxton Hill's playing well DJ Turner has flashed at times Jordan Battle etc so for me it's them I think they're going to continue to play really really good football at the same time, when they were laying eight points at open against Houston, uh, I did jump on the Texans. I think it's now down to a touchdown. But, but yeah, for, for me, it is Cincinnati. Ah, see, I was trying to tell the guys I had the best power rankings, and I am the one who put them in number five. So thank you, Brad. Uh, I want to ask you big picture about the Lions because you look at their advanced metrics, and they are a lot higher than some of the other teams in their conference. And even in the league, they're at the top. Second in the league in yards per game. Fifth in yards allowed per game, but there's something about the Lions like I just can't bet on them for any futures. But what I thought was interesting, since you are a salary cap guy, next year for 2024, they have the eighth um, most available cap space. And I'm thinking maybe we're just a year too soon. Like maybe we got to invest next year in the Lions, but just big picture, what is your assessment of Detroit? It's a phenomenal point, and I think Brad Holmes, the general manager, who I think is, you know, it's early, but I think he's up there with some of the best guys in the league so far based on what we've seen. Um, I think he understands that as well, and I think you saw at the trade deadline, you saw it in free agency. Yeah, I'm going to add some complimentary pieces to this team, but I'm not going to go make that big splash quite, quite yet, right? Like, I think let the young guys play, let this team grow on both sides of the football, you know, particularly on defense you're seeing – all these young guys, not even just Aiden Hutchinson, but Ali McNeil and Brian Branch, and all these players, the young linebackers, etc., make a big impact. So, um, yeah, I'm, and I, I mean, I do like them. We'll get into a bet here. I do like them laying two and a half points at the Los Angeles Chargers this week. Um, you know, I think we are tethered a bit to them getting blown out by the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, the same thing. I do think the two conferences are just so different um, in terms of the actual strength from top to bottom. But in this particular matchup, you know, I think we are going to see the Lions team that we've seen against most teams. They're, they're coming off a bye, whereas the Chargers are coming off a Monday night game against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Jets. The Chargers were allowing pressure on 57% of dropbacks, which is awful, uh, basically untenable. But the big thing for me here is Keenan Allen is basically the only reliable receiver on this team now with Josh Palmer going to injured reserve. So, you're going to be able to put it's Cam Sutton who can play in the slot. Brian Branch, who I just mentioned, you can really do a lot against Keenan Allen with the personnel that you already have in the fold. They have great safeties in Detroit as well. And I think you are going to get pressure on Justin Herbert, who's, you know, injured, not really playing up to his standard. And then the flip side, you know, don't fall for what we saw the Chargers defense do against the, the woeful Jets. Um, I, I think the Lions are going to move the football fairly effectively, particularly on the ground. Um, so, yeah. I agree from like a contender standpoint, maybe next year's the year, um, but I still think they're going to win the division and be a, you know, a fun team to watch in the NFC playoffs. 
what are we to make with the future of the Arizona Cardinals? Because certainly acquiring information on Kyler Murray uh, may be the biggest priority right now, especially uh, assuming they're going to be getting a, a high draft pick. So they want to figure out, okay, what to do with him? How do we put him on a pedestal and figure out, you know, if he's movable, things like that. What are the options for the Arizona Cardinals going forward, assuming that they're getting number one, number two, number three next season? Yeah, I think the key is what you touched on is you got to see what you have, right? You want to play him and, and see what's there. And look, if he wins his way out of a top pick, I think you're okay with that. I think I'm starting to go against the grain a little bit where I certainly understand the argument of just lose a bunch of games. You're obviously not very good right now. Get Caleb Williams or Drake May and just kind of start this whole thing over. That obviously, you know, in a vacuum makes plenty of sense. But I'm kind of buying into the idea of if Kyler comes back and looks good in a very, very competent offense with Drew Petzing, this rookie class that the Cardinals have, Paris Johnson looks good, B.J. Ojolari now looks good, Garrett Wilson, the corner, looks good, Michael Will or Garrett Williams, and Michael Wilson, the receiver, also was super productive. Like, you add two more top 15 picks, maybe add a Marvin Harrison Jr. level prospect or, you know, a Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu a tackle, um, and then also add another receiver or another defensive piece, whatever. Kyler, I think his, his, his narrative and his reputation has gone too far. He's a top 12, top 10 quarterback in the NFL to me. If he plays mm -hmm. like it down the stretch, I build around him. And I say, you know what? Let's just build this thing around Kyler. Um, I like the coaching staff, et cetera. So, I think I'm probably in the minority there, but I think it could be interesting to go that route as well. I don't hide this. I root for the Bears to lose every week because it's the best thing for the organization, and they have two high picks. They own Carolina's pick. They're playing Carolina tomorrow. What do you want to happen? I mean, I want to beat uh, Carolina in this one. You know, if you look at and it's still, though, it's still for a reason. Uh, you know, I'm right there with you. Uh, the strength of schedule uh, for the Bears is, you know, as, as bad as all those teams at the top. So, uh, you know, they, they're going to have some leg ups when it comes to if teams finish with the same record, they should have a leg up in that category. Um, I don't know. I still want to see, like, occasionally beat, beat the worst team in the NFL and then lose the rest of your games. That That's cool with me. Um but, yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks in this game combined for seven turnovers last week. Uh, the, the Panthers' defense is is dreadful and is not going to have Brian Burns in this game. So, yeah, yeah. give me an ugly Bears win, um, and, you know, especially because I do think Carolina could maybe steal a game against an Atlanta or a Tampa. I mean, the NFC South is the mm. worst division in football. I'm not even sure it's close. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite sides for Sunday? Yep. So Detroit, we mentioned, was definitely at the top of that list. It's a bit of an ugly slate. I don't love it or have as much conviction yeah. uh, as I did last week. But uh, Detroit is certainly a big one. Uh, and then, you know, you know me, I'm going to come in and bring a long teaser on a Wednesday. Uh, I do yeah. like the Minnesota Vikings as a leg here, currently a plus two and a half. I just mentioned those New Orleans Saints. Look, they're 23rd in dropback success rate. The defense is susceptible. Um, and then Derek Carr against the Blitz has been solid over his career, no question about it. But um, they're going to be under siege. And this offensive line is both injured and, and just not very good. And that's kind of been the strength of this Saints team for so long. So I like them as one of the legs, potentially. Um, and, and then the Buffalo Bills, who I am kind of low on long term. Um, but I think you tease them down to minus one and a half against the Denver Broncos. It's a get-right spot at home. It's a must-win football game, in my opinion. Um, but then also, Josh Allen and this offense still have been productive the last couple of weeks. 
you know, Cincy game was not super clean, but they're still up there and, you know, points per drive, yards per drive, drive conversion rate, all, all these metrics. Um, and against Denver, I think they'll write the ship. So um, that, that, that's the long teaser uh, of this of this particular Wednesday. When it comes to analyzing the bad teams that perhaps should find some way to tank, I asked you about the Arizona Cardinals, and I like your answer as far as, hey, look, let's see what you have in Kyler Murray, and it wouldn't take a whole lot for him to be a top 12 quarterback in the NFL right now because the rest of the quarterbacks are terrible. So to be top 12 is not asking that much out of him. We know the talent he has. But when you're looking at some of the other seller dwellers, who do you feel like may already be in that mission to tank? And are there opportunities to fade them, whether it's for this weekend or maybe in future weeks? Yeah, I mean, the New York Giants are are, are a horrible football team, and, and credit to them, they know it. You know, I think trading Leonard Williams at the deadline was one of the smartest moves that one of those bad teams made. You know, eating that salary, getting a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick for a guy that, they you know, is not franchise-taggable, um, is 29 years old. Everyone made fun of the Bears for Montez Sweat, which I understand, uh, given the context of their situation. The Seattle decision to trade for, for Leonard Williams, in my opinion, was actually a worse process. But But anyway, so... The Giants are awful. They are catching 16 points against Dallas, but I still think you probably there's probably some value um, on the Cowboys in that matchup. And then they're not going to tank, um, but the New England Patriots are, are horrendous. So um, I, I'd probably fade those two teams in certain spots going forward. Because um, yeah, like Carolina has no has no you know impetus to, to lose. They don't have their own first round pick. Um, you know the Bears are trying to right the ship and save their jobs. Like I think it's probably the Giants is the easiest answer to that question. I think they know it, um, and, and they might as well just lose as much as possible. Brad, Minnesota Vikings. They've now won four in a row. If you look at their schedule. There's a world where they could have an eight-game winning streak, and we're like, oh, my God, the NFC North is not over. Pay attention to those matchups, Lions-Vikings, in two of the last three weeks of the season. They're 8-1 to one for the division, but, you know, O'Connell's still in the 20s for coach of the year. Do you think if the, if the Vikings make this a run, and you know, Jefferson's going to come back in a couple weeks, they do this with Dobbs, what if they, if they win the division, is O'Connell the coach of the year? I would say so. Yeah, I would certainly argue that case. Um, you know, I think I don't know if there's markets for like coordinator of the year, but maybe he also would get credit for bringing mm. in Brian Flores, which is one of the better, you know, coordinator decisions mm. made this past offseason. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned the NFC North and, and like Joe Barry staying in Green Bay is one of the more perplexing decisions any team made. If Kirk Cousins was still healthy, I would be betting the Vikings to win this division. I, I really, really would. You know, now oh, yeah. I think Detroit will find a way to just win it because it is Josh Dobbs. But yeah, like it's a good shout. It's a good shout. O'Connell has navigated a ton. They are they are getting more out of the talent than they currently have. Uh, you know, on on the roster on both sides of the football. Credit to him. He he, he seems to know what he's doing uh, up there in Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. I was curious, you know, he decides to pass on like Colt McCoy and bring in Dobbs. I was like, this guy must know what he's doing because he worked with him before. So sure enough, he looked like a genius last week. What do you like props wise for tomorrow night? Anything stand out to you? Yeah, so, you know, like you mentioned, we got backup quarterback in Tyson Bajan. We got Bryce Young, who's struggling, obviously, uh, you know, to an extreme degree here. So 
Um, it, it's an ugly game, and I think if you wanted to attack this game, you're probably looking at some unders or um, yeah. a bet that I a market that I should be talking more about on this show each week is, is the sack prop market. And the reason why I think that, that, is that this is mispriced and you genuinely can find edges and be smarter than the books is sack props are not a bet on the pass rusher. They are a bet on the opposing quarterback and his pressure to sack rate. They're also a bet on the offensive line situation. And then I would I would say you're betting on the actual pass rusher. So I thought the funniest line that I've seen the entire season was Montez Sweat's over under 0.75 sacks last week against New Orleans was even money to both sides. I think it was oh the funniest God. spread I've seen a book lay, in, I don't know, <laughs> in, in years. Um, you know, needless to say, the Bears had zero sacks in that game. Bryce Young's pressure sack rate is not as good. But you're going to get Montez Sweat primarily against Taylor Moten, who is a good right tackle. Um, I think you are going to get the ball out quickly against a team that plays a ton of soft coverage and lets you throw underneath. And once again, Montez Sweat over or under .75 sacks is minus 105 to the under. The last piece here is Matt Eberflus doesn't scheme up pressure. They don't blitz. They don't stunt. He, Montez Sweat just needs to win one-on-one matchups. And he's like, you know, a fringe top 50 for us in pass rush win rate. So, um, I like the under 0.75 sacks minus 105 uh, for Montez Sweat in that game. Good stuff. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, unders have been dominating for most of the season, especially since week five. But will it last? It's trend or truth time right here on the BetQL Network.